This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes, hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. Of course, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along on Sunday evening, you can leave your comments and your questions as we go. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, the post-match comments of manager Nathan Jones have been making the headlines today. There's plenty for us to pick over. Before that, there was a game and the result was depressingly predictable. We'll analyse the Brentford defeat. It seems like an age ago now, but there was also a League Cup semi-final second leg last week. The fans were in fine voice at Newcastle, but we didn't get a performance to match. The transfer window closed as well. A couple of big money additions, but are we any closer to knowing what our best eleven is? And the key games keep on coming. We're going to preview the visit of Wolves to St Mary's this weekend. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCourt is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell covers Southampton for The Athletic. All underpinned by our TSP patrons. Statistically, there's no one better in Europe. This is episode 220 of the Total Saints <laughs> podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. And the travelling fans made their opinions known at the final whistle yesterday. Uh, choruses of Nathan Jones get out of our club was one of the many chants, um, probably the only one we can mention on a family-friendly podcast. But it was the post-match comments from the manager that caused the most raised eyebrows afterwards. Jacob, you were there. You were in that press conference. Could you believe what the manager was saying and, and what uh, 
the headlines that followed? Yeah, yeah, I can actually. Um, so basically, what happens is that the, the written media guys are the last ones to speak to the manager. So you get all these quotes coming in anyway from Adam Blackmore through the other uh, broadcast guys. And Paul Balverstone had obviously tweeted out the quotes uh, from Nathan. So I saw them on, on Twitter and I thought, right, well, I need to expand and I need to ask him what, what he means. And I'm always the one that opens up the floor, basically. So I ask the first three or four questions. So it's important that we set the tone straight away. And usually I, I offer... Uh, you know, half-hearted question where he can just talk about anything he wants. But yesterday I went straight in and asked him what he meant by compromising. Uh, and um, yeah, he he was on a roll and he gave a lot of answers that hit the headlines. And unfortunately, I had to change my whole piece. So um, it's fantastic from an entertainment point of view, but from a supporter's point of view, it's it's pretty uh, irate, isn't it, at the moment? Because it's only going to fuel the fire, isn't it? It's a desperate, desperate situation. If you haven't seen it, it's worth reading the, the transcript and some of the articles around it. Um, the the compromise you're you're talking about there, he said, I've compromised in terms of principles and personnel. I've compromised because of fans and so on. It's a few little things, but I've been successful playing a fluent style. Steve, what was your what was your take on it all yesterday? Oh, just garbage. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the the game was the game, and I think, I mean, if you've got something with a little bit of oomph up front, I think you possibly even get something from that game weirdly. But just the just the nonsense at, the, at full time is just, I mean, that is basically the straw that is that is going to break the camel's back. Surely, when you're calling out, basically, I mean, pretty much everyone apart from his apart from his near his closest family. Um, as being responsible for the situation we find ourselves in, apart from him, then you're kind of in last chance saloon. And well, not even, I mean, it shouldn't even be last chance saloon. It should be a case of, right, you're mental. Let's um, let's just get this done and get it over over with and spare everyone the uh, the grief of, um, of any future pain. But of course, we're probably going to roll with it, aren't we? Because that's what we do with whether it's Ankerson, whether it's Kraft, whether it's Solak who's taken the decision. Let's be honest, it's probably Ankerson who's who took the decision to appoint them in the first place. People like that don't tend to admit their mistakes very readily. Um, and we're going to be in that in that situation where it's a case of when does he blink? When does he decide to actually hold his hands up and say, yeah, sorry, lads, I screwed this because it's a mess. It was a mess at the start. And we predicted it was going to be a mess and it's turned out to be somehow even more of a mess than we thought it would, mm. uh, which is quite some achievement. So um, in many in many regards, you have to applaud Nathan Jones for making it even more of a mess than everyone thought it might be. But yeah, an absolute shambles, calling out anyone and everyone. Um, nothing to do with him, obviously, because that would be presumably sort of goes against his um, his ethos. Just shambles and i mean let, let's be fair the players have to take a take a portion of responsibility they've not been good enough hmm. um and for a large part this is kind of the same group of players but with added better players theoretically that that we've like we've we've digested the players that we've signed and we've all thought okay there's a process involved in signing these players and and they've all got attributes that we think okay they can they can fit a hole they can replace someone who we thought wasn't quite good enough in in a certain position and things like that and yet every single one of those players is now bottom of the league looking fairly hopeless and yeah they've they've got to they've got to stick their hands up and say yeah we've not been good enough either the the style and the tactics that are being given from the coaching staff, whether it's too detailed or not detailed enough. Um, I mean, none of us will know. Um, that's 
that's a behind closed doors thing. And unless someone breaks ranks and kind of decides that Jacob's going to be their best friend for the next week and tells tells us exactly how how this is all all falling down, um, we're probably never going to know. But one way or the other, the message isn't getting through to the players. And ultimately, the manager is the one that's going to carry the can for that. Mm. I have to say, we've got a record number of people watching along live. If you're on the <laughs> the Sunday night stream, temperatures and anger, I guess, are going to be high. Emotions are going to be sky high. I was mixed yesterday, Glenn, because to start off with, I was obviously angry with some of the, the stuff that he was coming out with. And and as a fan, he's going to relegate the club that I've loved for so long. But then I started to think, is is this a man just having a breakdown and acting out in public? Because the kind of stuff that he was coming out with is, is just not what you talk about in a, in a press conference. You've got to be careful these days that you don't pile in too much on uh, on people when they're when they're very low. But He's always been like this, as far as I can work out. He's always he's always been like this back to his days at Luton and at Stoke. He was always very confrontational. You know, when we were all reading up about him, because let's face it, no one really knew anything about him when he joined the club. And the, the things you read in the, um, you know, from, from people who know what they're talking about, all sort of said the same sort of things about him, that he didn't really take responsibility when things went wrong and that it was always someone else's fault. What I've found staggering with the with the interviews after the game with the contradictions basically blamed everybody you know players coaches owners they all seemed to go under the bus a little bit and he blamed himself briefly for listening to the others but the main problem seemed to be with the other people and then he said he hadn't listened to anybody so what is it you know what what is he what is he on about there the most worrying sort of thing that he said was this i'm not going to compromise anymore i'm going to play the way i want to play which is um, nottingham forest at, at home so you can expect you know tall paul and uh, shea up front and the ball being launched from um, ainsley maitland niles in midfield so uh, it's um yeah that's that's worrying which is you know, I mean, I said after the Forest game, 100% we're going down with him in charge. And you pick up, a, when you say something like that after three games, whatever it was, you pick up a certain amount of flack for it. And that's fine. But it gives me no pleasure to say I was right. And I still feel I'm, I was 100% right in saying yeah. that. And I I don't really um, see anything to sort of change my mind. And also, I did wonder, you know, we, we contemplated on here. What brought the change from that Forest performance to Manchester City a week later, where we played great football and and played them off the park? And I think we suspected at the time that someone else had been involved, be it another coach or the players had said, mm. we're not playing like this. So may, maybe he was alluding to that. Maybe it, maybe it explains that a little bit. But he was obviously quite happy to roll with it while we beat Palace and beat Man City and beat Everton. And now all of a sudden that, you know, that's a problem. And the other thing, I just I just found it embarrassing. I kind of, you know, switched off what I was watching at the end of the game because I couldn't be bothered with it anymore. And then sort of tuned in to social media at about seven o'clock and you see all this all this stuff that's come out, you know, from hmm. Jacob and Alfie and um, uh, whatever that guy's name was, Paul Belvers or whatever. And it's, it's just like crushingly embarrassing. You know, we're bottom of the league anyway. And then you you, you get something else comes along after the game to give you another well-placed kick in the nuts that you really you know you you really don't want or need at that at that um at that stage you'd be better off just shutting up 
saying he's ill or something and not going to the press conference. It's, someone it's, else it's, yeah, it's, it's just awful. And um, um, to be honest, I know, you know, what Steve was saying there about, you know, Rasmus has got to admit his mistake, but I, I just think it's gone. It's gone beyond that now. I, I don't see how you possibly have a choice at this stage, but here we are. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And Jacob, are there any clues as to what the, the compromises might be? I mean, is, is Glenn right? Uh, and the way we set up against Forrest and the way we played was how he, he, he's going to play and that might be a clue for the next 17 games and we're just going to have to to like it. And I know he said after the Forrest game, he, he wasn't wholly unhappy with, with what he saw. So do you think that might be the way forward for, for him? As it, it makes me cringe saying it. But <laughs> and, and who are these these influences? You know, Who has been picking this team then and, and, and in his ear the last couple of weeks? I think so. I think the, the playing with he's he always keeps talking about he, the reason why he's brought in is to continue Ralph Hasnetal's strengths. So vertical, well, direct, uh, be aggressive, be on the front foot, uh, but also go back to basics. And I think he probably feels in himself that he's kind of lost that. He's tried to add too many things on. He keeps changing formations a lot. I think his ideal formation, everyone really knows, is, is 3-5-2. And the way they play 3-5-2 is to go long, win the second balls, get it out wide, cross the ball. It's pretty basic stuff, but it's really effective in the championship. It can be effective in the Premier League, depending if all the players buy into it. But at the moment, there seems to be a discord between what Jones wants and what the rest of the club wants. And that's quite staggering, considering that he, the reason why he was brought, on, brought in because of all these metrics and stuff like that. There's a lot of really good people working at the club who are really progressive, who who want Sam to do to be better to be one of the more progressive advanced teams in terms of playing style you saw it with Ralph in terms of out of possession especially when it's good and they they look and they're feeling quite dispirited at the moment because they're seeing all the good work they're doing in the academy you know they've been told to play a certain way high press keep the ball be brave on the ball and when they get to the first team they see a man that's wanting to go back to basics he says he doesn't go direct but the stats especially it's Nottingham Forest certainly tell you he is going direct and he's bringing in all these players that he wants experience he keeps talking about height and he's brought back Jan Benerick and I think Jan Benerick you know is, even though he wants to be you know he wants to say sorry and I think he's made quite a good effort to do that in fairness since he's come back he symbolizes the issues without saying that, the word yeah exactly mm. he symbolizes the issues at Southampton in terms of he, he Jones wants to go back he's not looking forward and he's not building on the good work from the academy and I think there's a real there's a real issue there and I think you know staff uh, are feeling quite dispirited about that you know not only in uh, the academy but in the first team as well and just to go back to your point finally Martin about who's uh, getting who's influencing it obviously that's only Jones knows that but of course Rasmus Ankerson has got a big football background he used to be a player he used to be a coach he used to be a chairman he will be the man that ultimately decides if he sacks a manager or hires a manager so and after every game them two do debrief as well so I think uh, he could possibly be one of those influences just okay. just a quickly Jacob on the you know we, we're talking about the Joneses being Jones being very different to the rest of the club yeah. You know, what was that phrase? The alignment of departments yeah. or whatever that rubbish was that they came out with. <laughs> We've signed players this transfer window, namely Orsic, Suleimana, who do not fit the three-five-two formation that, mm. that Jones wants to play. Mm. Um, I mean, you've seen the way Orsic has been treated this week, go and play in the B team with the kids. It's just, mm. it's outrageous. And Theo Walcott gets a game. So, you know, I'm just, that's another reason why I, I cannot see why Rasmus, if it's going to be him, is is putting up with that because he's saying, here's this, you know, third place in the World Cup, top level, 
winger with loads of goals and assists to his name, albeit in the Croatian league. But you know, what, what are you what are you going to do with him? You're going to play him at wing back, that, yeah. and that's what that's what kind. Don't of, give him ideas. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's had the idea already. Yeah. I mean, and Suleimana doesn't look like the sort of winger that's going to play wing back either. I think that's that's a jumble thinking, isn't it, Glenn? Uh, you know, you see Suleiman. I think ideally Jones probably wants to play him inside a little bit more, a bit closer to Big Paul. Uh, but then, you know, Orsic is probably got a signing that makes sense. Uh, Rasmus knows, probably knows of him. He knows he's four and a half million, low risk, and he gets goals. So probably on paper, it looks, it looks okay, regardless if Jones wants him. But every decision they made in January, they stress it to all the staff, the academy staff, the first team staff. What we do in January is all for survival. And with the signing of James Bree, for example, they thought, right, we're going to survive through playing Nathan Jones's ball. But then you bring in Suleiman, like you say, Orsic. And some of these signings aren't Nathan Jones signings, they're club signings, but and, there's, and vice versa as well. So it's a it's a bit of a jumble and you're not quite sure of the strategy. And I think if we're not quite sure of the strategy, I don't think the staff inside the club who've been told all these things are as well. I know you picked up on this on Friday, Glenn. Do you think the, the problem started on Friday when that B team uh, lineup was announced, and you had uh, Saleta Sar, <laughs> who was playing on Friday. So then you instantly think, well, that's going to be Lianko and Bednarek are going to be starting at the weekend. Obviously, you mentioned Orsic, who put that Instagram post of him sat at home reading a book, um, watching football on his laptop. And it just, I mean, if you're one of those players, as you say, they've been brought in to strengthen the team that are bottom of the league, and then they're asked to go and play for the B team on Friday. Well, Nathan Jones, I would suggest, has got a personal issue with Chiletazar. There seems to be an issue there because I can't see a football reason as to why he's gone from being, in the eyes of most people, our best central defender to to now being fifth choice, which is where he seems to have gone. Uh, well, probably will be when um, Bella Kochab's up to full fitness. So there's there's an issue there. I, I have heard from somewhere else that Chiletazar is the sort to speak up if he's not terribly happy about something so maybe something's been said there may um i think steve made the point during the week that maybe he's been scapegoated for the red card against newcastle who knows I mean, I'd, I'd rather he took the red card than, than us be two nil down for the away mm. leg i think yeah. that was a that was a take take one for the team booking and and actually that was that was a that was the sign of a player that that is playing for the team he knew yeah. that if he didn't bring the guy down sam maximan is clean through is probably going to make it two nil and the tie's over him get him getting the second booking means that at least we had a chance until obviously the lineup dropped at St James's Park on Tuesday night. <laughs> Bought us an extra four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the, the B team lineup was 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 mind blowing, wasn't it? I mean, I, <laughs> I, it was just like, what what's going on there? You know. So you know, why is why is Bednarek gone from out on loan at Aston Villa and not playing at all to being? the first choice centre-back alongside Salasu. Is, is Jones just being edgy and just trying to say, look, I've brought this guy back. No one else wanted him. I'm going to prove you're wrong. So mm. there. That, I, I, I have no, no idea. There's so many things that happened with the selection of the B team and the selection of the first team against Brentford that I don't understand. You know, I've mentioned it already. Walcott on, you know, Walcott who's done nothing whatsoever for two years playing ahead of the, the guy you've just signed. Um, I mean, to be, to be Adam fair, Armstrong, he actually played quite well. I he thought. did actually, yeah. Adam, but, Adam, Adam but yeah, Armstrong, it was just odd. Adam Armstrong still getting minutes. There's three, a certain amount of showing your cards to the opposition yeah. as well, isn't there? You know, you, you're giving away who's going to be starting at the back on a Friday afternoon, yeah. whatever difference that that makes. I bet Ivan Tony was delighted when he saw Chilazar <laughs> wasn't playing. 
Yeah. Steve, the other thing is, of course, there's going to be a, a fans forum that's scheduled in for Tuesday, <laughs> but we're not expecting to get too much out of that. In fact, it's quite telling that the manager's not going to be there and they, they made that decision before the weekend. There's a certain amount of maybe keeping him away from a microphone because that's how it feels to me. I mean, it's one of it's one of those of who is the coward here. Is it Nathan Jones for not wanting to face the fans himself? Um, or is it the club for not wanting to put in front of 100? I think it's, it's limited we'll to 100. We'll probably not know the answer to that. Um, we? Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, clearly they're, they're never going to answer that question. But that's the that's kind of the pondering that, that immediately came sprung to mind when they, when they announced the lineup. And yeah, you just think, well, I mean, if the manager's not going to be there, what's the point? I mean, who and who are they going to pick? I, I mean, from, from what I gather, Radio Solent aren't even going to be there. Um, so it's not a Radio Solent-driven forum, so it's not going to be broadcast live. So who's comparing? Who's asking the questions? Um, who's vetting the questions? Who's vetting the people that are there? Are they basically picking a load of season ticket holders who answered that fan um, survey back in, cross whenever it was they did the last fan survey? I can't, can't even remember when, when that was. But is, are they basically picking people from there who were, who were very kind to the club and said, oh, yeah, everything's great? Um, I, I want to come along and and um, and tell Rasmus Hankerson how brilliant everything is going, um, or the, or are they actually going to let people in? I said I wasn't interested in an artisan burger. Was it that one? <laughs> what about the light show though, Glenn? That's no, going to be yeah, well, okay. <laughs> on the agenda. Yeah. I got so a history I think, of it. I got a history of epilepsy. We're, so we're relying on somebody being there and perhaps giving us a running commentary on on Twitter, aren't we? On, on I hope Tuesday there's going to be like like some somebody sat in the audience like Facebook Live. Um, feed of it or something because as far as I'm like from what I've seen the club aren't aren't going to be broadcasting it so no. it's a shame it's that like, Adam, what, what's yeah. the point it's a shame that Adam Blackmore's not doing it because he I don't know if you saw his tweets that mm. he did today mm. yeah they were, they were actually pretty good he was getting stuck in he wasn't towing the party line and he thought any. about it last night wasn't yeah. he? I think he'd waited until yeah. today and then sort of composed his thoughts and there was a lot that struck a chord with so a lot of a people sh- it's a shame that he's not He's not doing it. He, mind you, maybe it's because he's not doing it that he felt he was able to stick those those tweets out there. But, You're not uh, going to be sneaking in with a fake moustache and glasses, are you, Jacob? Sat at the back. Just well, like, I'm supposed to have, be having a week off next week, so <laughs> yeah, good, good <laughs> I don't, I don't that think one. that's happening. Honestly, <laughs> no chance. Right, let's get on and talk about some football. Unfortunately, Do we have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did think maybe we could just talk about Happy Valley for an hour, <laughs> just do something a little bit different for tonight, rather than talk about football. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But it was another defeat, the 14th Premier League defeat of the season on Saturday. Comfortable 3-0 win for Brentford. Glenn, I know the answer to this, but the same result was back in May. So that's got to be proof that we've not progressed at all since last May, surely. Well, yeah, I mean, it's two games, nine months apart. So you, you, you can't really sort of use that to sort of build up a big picture. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, everyone knew the significance of the game last year in terms of the, the crowd sort of turning on Ralph. And we've gone there today. We've uh, Sorry, yesterday we played a very good side. And it, it seemed to me like we were just about hanging in there in the in the first half for the you know for the first 40 minutes <laughs> two goals in a minute the, the game the game is completely dead isn't it and you know i thought it was there was one exceptional performance for us at the back for most of the game salasu i thought he was excellent he prevented two certain goals in the first half prevented another one in the second half when it was already 2-0 i think yeah he'll probably feel he maybe should have done better with um with ben mee's goal but that that was a hell of a header but the, i mean the problem was we didn't stop the crosses coming in and um, you know James Bree had a had a difficult introduction to the Premier League there because two crosses came from his wing and and one got floated over his head for the for the second goal. So uh, it wasn't great. Two 0 down at half time. Half made the changes, brought on the tall Paul and um, Suleimana, and it was a little bit better in the second half. But like the Newcastle away game, we're out we're out of the game by then. Mm. So the other team are just sitting back a little bit and just seeing how the game plays out. Yeah, we had more possession and we had a, a couple of sort of half chances, but never, ever expected us to um, to even get one goal, let alone get back into it by scoring a couple. So, um, yeah, and the third goal was the with the icing on the cake and it was the, the normal thing, wasn't it? The cross cross into the mixer and our guys are all stood, you know, one's not stopping the cross and three are all stood there, you know, and there's a free guy to edit into the net. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a disaster, but knew it was going to be a disaster virtually as soon as we saw the B team line up the day before. Yeah, stems back to that Friday again. Jacob, I know you picked up on the problem with the, the crosses into the box. They just don't seem to be learning. No, I think that Southampton don't do it either solve problems themselves. I, I remember picking up on this when I was watching them during lockdown, like how vocal Ralph Harsnittle was compared to the rest of the team. There's no real vocal presence. There's no leader in there. And if, if there is a shout, it's, it's, there's no tactical advice in there. There's no one saying, right, you know, for example, Jack Steven saying, right, Kyle, just make sure you tuck in a bit closer to me because we keep getting done down the right side of the channel. There was nothing, none of that. And I don't think there is any now. Slamson, since especially under Jones as well, because you know he keeps saying that he wants to be solid, defensively sound. They conceded a lot of counter-attacks. And I think it's because, one, Slamson don't keep the ball well enough to actually organise themselves first. And two, they're just not positionally in a good position anyway. So there's no structure in the team. There's no organisation. And when things do start to go wrong, which they do in every Premier League game at the moment, they haven't scored first in any of them. There's no one to rectify them until half-time. I think you saw that at Newcastle. Mm. They were completely blown away by, in 25 minutes. And an injury to Joe Linton called, allowed Jones to call them over and they changed back to, to a back four and actually got a, a little bit better. It just feels like we see the problems in the first five minutes and that sets the tone. You know, crosses into the box, overlaps. You know how Brentford play. They're probably how Salampton want to play eventually, but Salampton couldn't deal with it. And fact is Samson because he did 10 goals from crosses now they get broken on a lot of times and they they seem to be going back to how Ralph was just without the press as well we're all starting to sound like broken records aren't we Steve but it was it's just the same old story again unfortunately yeah I mean Jacob did uh, put a graphic out on Twitter was it this morning or was it last night Um, showing showing all the first half crosses and basically the two that were headed away 
from I think there were two that were that were prevented from getting into the area, and then there were two that were literally in the first two minutes from corners from either side, mm. headed away by the first man. You thought, well, if they're putting corners across like that for the entire ninety minutes, that's fine. We can we can deal with that and head those away till the cows come home. But of course, Premier League players are better than that, and eventually they'll learn and they'll they'll adjust. And the crosses did get better in into the area and we're just not good enough at stopping them and i mean this is something i'm oh god i'm so bored of just dis- discussing this because we bring it up every week we all are. that we that like the years where we were good defensively under pochettino kuman and even puel when when we were we were we were we weren't quite as attacking as we needed to be towards the end of his his year in charge. But certainly to start with, defensively, we were really solid. And that was because we didn't let the ball get into the area. If you don't let the ball get into the area, then at the end of the day, you're relying on the opposition are relying on taking the pot shot from 30 yards and pinging it into the top corner. At the end of the day, if, if, someone, if someone scores that way, you, you stick your hands up and, give, and yeah. give them a handshake and say, yeah, fair play to you. But we've not... I mean we pack our team with defensive midfielders and yet the defensive midfielders aren't doing the job of a defensive midfielder of helping out the defense. They give a little bit of protection to the center backs when the opposition are running at us. But when the ball goes wide, they need to be shuffling across and giving the fullback help because clearly whoever's playing at fullback. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter who it's been over, over the last three or four years, whoever has been playing at fullback hasn't been, good enough on their own to stop a winger or a combination of a winger and an opposing fullback from working an angle and putting a cross into our box. And we can see so many, so not even just so many goals, but so many clear chances, so many chances that we get away with um, a lot of the time. But this season we're, we're getting found out because we're, we're giving away good quality chances and the opposition are just better at taking them than they have been previously. And it's just not good enough. And I mean, the fact that I'm sat here with I mean, my, my coaching qualification is basically the, the most entry level qualification you can get, like the FA junior level one or whatever it is these days. I, I can't, can't remember what it's called. That's how long ago I got it. Same as one of Nathan Jones's assistants then, isn't Quite it? Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> but it's but the fact that even I can see this as a as a basic problem at a top level league, surely they surely they analyze this and spot that that crosses into the box are a problem actually defending the cross itself by being able to win headers and stuff isn't the issue it's letting the ball get into the box in the first place and it's like well okay you've got you've got you want to play a zonal marking system that that was basically what caused the goal the first goal ben me's goal is because me has sprinted across the the um the defensive line he's got the momentum from his run and is able to put power on his on his header and basically outmuscle Salasu and I think I can't remember who else it was that jumped with him. Um, but basically everybody ends up in a crumpled heap. Uh, Me's the guy that that wins wins the header, and it's mm. it's a great run. It's a great header. But if you're marking if you're marking zonal, that's kind of the risk that you run in that your defenders are static. You don't if you don't have a run at the ball, you can only ever be reactive. And I think in the situation where too many balls are coming into the box, you've got to be a little bit more, more proactive than that. And I think if, you, if you're allowing the ball to come into the box, we need to be marking man-to-man. Whereas that zonal marking system kind of works if you've got um, midfield help to prevent the ball coming into the box in the first place. 
Is it, Glenn, more to do with the inconsistencies in the lineup? You look at the most successful teams over years, they know they're going to play with a back four or they're going to play with a back five and they're going to have the same personnel week in, week out. We've got someone like Roman Perot that puts in a really good performance against Blackpool, scores a couple of goals, and then he's not on the team sheet. Then you've got the new lad, Bree, coming in at right back and, and struggling because he was chucked in at the deep end. That There's, there's no chance for them to build relationships no. there and get to know each other. And, and surely that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it is. I mean, you you know, to me, you 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 pick your best two central defenders. Hopefully, one's left-footed, one's right-footed, which we have the opportunity to do, if we so wish. And you you pick your best two natural fullbacks on each side, and you go with that, and you don't change it. You know, you you drill those players to to um to play as a back four. Um, I mean, everyone can probably name the you know the the back four that Arsenal had in 1990 because mm. it was so good. You know, it's. it's it's that sort of thing. I mean, I, don't, I think we're going to go on to the Newcastle game. But if you, if you look at that Newcastle game, the manager has picked a back five for starters. It's five players who have never played together before. It includes a player who's never played higher than the championship in his first game at this level away at St. James's Park in the semi-final. It includes a player who's been on loan at Aston Villa and not started a game. And it includes a, a right back playing left back. And you wonder why it's a shambles. Mm. You know, it, it's it's not rocket science. And, and in that particular case, because a midfielder lost a runner, he kind of absolved himself from all blame for picking that back five and just said, oh, well, if we had lost a runner, it wouldn't have been a goal. That That's as maybe. But, you know, we had, we had five defenders all feeling their way into the game. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been accused of being a bit, bit hard on James Bree. I don't think he covered himself in glory yesterday but he, he was okay he, i thought but he was, was yeah. he was horribly thrown into that game against newcastle and you know on the on the back of probably two training sessions with teammates he'd never met before and he he was thrown into that game and there was absolutely no need to do it bearing in mind walker peters and perot were were available and you could have he could have picked a familiar back four or even a back five he he could have done that but he didn't do it so in answer to your question, yeah, I think it's I think it's ridiculous to change the defence every single week and expect it to um, to be a well-oiled machine. It just isn't going to be. Just a word, Jacob, on the new additions that made their debuts yesterday. Tough ask for them coming on at halftime when when the game's lost. Is, is there some things there? Some some signs of encouragement? Some stuff we can get excited about? Yeah, I think so. It's just that's what's so frustrating because Samson, I think, have thought. I fought really well. I, I do think that I think you no, know, what they signed fifteen players overall. You know, in the last two windows, showed a good ambition. I thought deadline day was quite successful. They were really quite efficient. They worked through the list of targets. Eventually, got big pull in, and Sulemana. Everyone seems to want because although he scored what four goals in two years. Every recruitment guy you speak to from any Premier League team says the metrics. I know you don't like that word, Glenn, but they suggest that he's Glenn's a more guy. They suggest he is going to be a really, really good player. So um, I think Slams have brought quite a coup there. And you'd like to think that the more training time, they I think they came in Friday afternoon, so they had no training. I was going to say, did so they even a have risk. a session? No. No, they didn't. And it was, it was a bit of a risk, really, to play in 45 minutes. Uh, but I think Suleiman looked bright. He looked like he wanted to get the ball, wanted to get the ball to feet. He was positive, had that one shot that Rhea comfortably saved. Uh, Big Paul looked a bit awkward, to be honest with you. I don't think Sam's have quite worked out that he's six foot seven. So, um, and that's an issue. He's not going to be the best presser either. So that kind of probably influences how Jones is going to play from there on in. But um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you yeah. what, it amazes me. You've got a six foot seven centre forward. And you can't cross the ball in his general direction. 
because <laughs> two crosses went behind him and and other other crosses was skidding along the ground about mm. about two foot up you know it's like how difficult can it be to pick out a guy who is that big <laughs> but yeah but i think sam's have i've, I've signed well and they, they just need to hit the ground running don't they but it, it would help if nathan jones probably used more than just james Bree from the the five signings they, they they signed in the winter yeah yeah well you know that if they don't have a good game at the weekend they'll find themselves turning out for the b team in totten so um that motivation i think for the weekend need to talk about the newcastle game as well just a quick one on this we were never going to be favorites going into to that game certainly after the first leg and sure enough we made it impossible for ourselves glenn was that completely lost in that first 20 minutes of madness and that's it's lost, lost in the first five minutes you know, one, once we kickoff, let, wasn't it? I thought. Yeah, hour before kickoff. Well, and once once we let in the goal after four minutes, we we were dead. There was no way we were going to score three goals. Um, up there, bear in mind they hadn't let in a goal for about two years or whatever. Can um, I ping my neon then, lights for Sean Longstaff because I think yeah, yeah, our, yeah. our defence should <laughs> yeah. have probably listened. Yeah, yeah. We all said he was rubbish last week. Well, I said he was rubbish last mm. week. I'll take full responsibility. I, I, for that I one. stand by it. <laughs> but I, I regret I, nothing. I, I maintain that. If you leave a player unmarked in the middle of your penalty area, it doesn't matter how bad he is, he will find the net. Unless it's Adam Armstrong, of course. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he had, we got back to 2-1. He had that chance to make it 2-2, which might have made it a little bit squeaky for Newcastle. But once that's missed, even the red card, we we didn't really do much in the second half. Newcastle sat off and um, and just managed the game, didn't they, really? And uh, Them complaining they, they... about that red card was quite something, by the way. It was, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm peak, almost peak Eddie Howe there, really. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping they'd appeal it because then he'd get an extra game bat and then he then he would miss the final. But uh, but now we, 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 you know, 20 minutes, the game was absolutely over and I was, I was torn with the idea of switching it off. And uh, all I can say is well done to the people who, um, who made the trip and went up there because... You could hear them. They, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you know, when you go, you don't go and follow Saints away from home and have your happiness decreed by the result. So even when you <laughs> even when you, you go to have a good time, don't you? So if you if you're two nil down or in effect three nil down after twenty minutes, you, you know, to 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 keep going and 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 enjoy yourself and keep making a load of noise, I thought was brilliant. And um, even though we were we were pretty average, even in the second half. And Steve, some slick goals from Newcastle. But if you don't get the basics right, then if you're not tracking your runners and stopping the crosses, then you, you just they're there for the taking, aren't they? I mean, those those two goals in the first half were only slick because we allowed them to be slick. I mean, the first goal, we I think we surrendered possession three times in the space of five seconds, <laughs> um, which was quite something. And then to give any Premier League player, whether they're the weak, the weak link in Newcastle's team or not, given the freedom of the penalty area. I mean, Jan, Jan Bednarek, who's supposedly big Yanny B, who, um, who Nathan wants back Ian in the Bree. team, and um, has basically turned his back on it from six yards out. Yeah. Um, he's not bothered trying to, cl- trying to close the guy down. It's like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll make myself as small as possible, give the keeper no chance whatsoever. Um, yeah, cheers for that, uh, Jan. Well done. And the second, second one, yeah, it's, it's quite well worked. But again, we've let, we've let a runner run completely unchallenged into the penalty area, and he's got effectively a tap in. It's, it's just basics, absolute basics. And we gave, just continually gave the ball away in terrible areas in that first 25 minutes. And actually, Joe Linton um, getting injured was the only reason we showed any sort of life in that first half because it allowed us to um, have a bit of a discussion that over on the on the touchline 
changed the formation, went to four at the back. And all of a sudden, oh, look, we look, we look like a functioning football team again. Who'd have seen mm-hmm. that coming? Great goal by Che, to be fair to him. Um, he can't score, can't score from about eight yards out, but from 28, fit, finds the corner. Great strike. A mate of mine said it's because he wasn't in the final third. As soon as he gets into the final third, he's like the jigsaw. When he can see the keeper's eyes. It's just like yeah. a shot out of frustration, wasn't Another it? Another two yeah, yards maybe. further forward and it would have gone sideways or straight at the goalkeeper. But, yeah, it, it, it did feel a bit, oh, sod it, I might as well just hit this. Yeah, and that was a great goal. That was a great, great finish. And and it's it's the sort of goal that everybody's sort of looking at and thinking, why the hell don't you do that more often? Mm. Try shooting from distance. We we don't do it. Prousey is basically the only guy who's who's confident enough to take shots on from distance. And surprisingly enough, he's the only guy that ever scores from distance for us. I think there's a correlation there. Um, Jacob, you were there. What was the the atmosphere like? Um, can we pin it all on that that lineup, that team announcement, or did the the occasion get the better? I can imagine when the place is rocking just before kickoff, it, you know, it's probably quite daunting. And Alcaraz, for example, looked. Great signing in the first yeah. leg, but then he was all over the place for the second game. Do you think a few of them maybe just let the occasion get to them a bit? Maybe so. I th- the atmosphere was, was phenomenal before kickoff. To be honest, you the flags, the atm- you know, the noise. It was it was great. But you know, everyone could tell you the first twenty minutes you just got a weather the storm because as good as Newcastle fans are, they will eventually quiet down, well, and they God, don't need any encouragement. It's it's, they an don't need any encouragement. it's an absolute myth that Newcastle they fans were, are any good. Steve, they were the it loudest. Was ten, it, was ten, it was ten minutes. <laughs> Still. In the next 10 minutes, they still scored a goal. So what Southampton needed to do, they needed just to take the steam out of the game. They needed to calm it down. And eventually, if, if you think that's Steve, they'll quiet down completely. But they, it didn't help that ultimately James went to a back five and both of the goals. Trippy was the spare man every time because everyone knows if you play a back five, you're susceptible to switch to the play. You can get overloaded down both wings. Both goals come from the left with you know, with Longstaff, the third runner, the third man runner, and they're basically carbon copies. And exactly the same happened against Brentford. The, the back five only works if the midfield shuffle, shuffle across and cover with the wing backs. They didn't do that. Alcaraz, like you say, Martin, he, he looked lost in there. I, mm. I managed, I was only 20 yards away from the pitch. So you could see him and obviously he doesn't speak a word of English. So it, it did feel like it was a little bit me- awkward for him. Messi, Will Prowse was getting shifted. He was the one that kept going over to to Nathan Jones, asking him, where do you want me? He played number 10, played to the right side, played in a double pivot. He seemed to be going everywhere. And and Jones, you know, he, when, he's, when he looks lost, Chris Cohen, who normally sits next to the analyst for the first 20 minutes, is beckoned down to, to come and talk to him about uh, any tactical changes he might see. And I think obviously a back four was better, but I couldn't believe how dysfunctional they looked in a back five because although it's out of, cha- out of possession as well, they looked awful. I remember Carl Walker-Peters got the ball and there was no one outside of him or no one further forward. So he just had to come back. It was, it looked like they just went to a back five and had done no preparation towards it. And it just felt yeah. like such an opportunity missed. Yeah, It's a shame, real shame. But back to the league again. And this weekend, it's Wolves, another must-win game. Biggest game of the season. 17 games left, three points from safety. So again, you know, not cut adrift. But Glenn, we played Wolves back in September. Um, Again, probably most memorable for Che Adams um, Mm. missing that one. One of the simplest chances you'll probably ever see. So they've changed their manager. They've had mixed fortunes, but they seem to be managing to cobble a couple of results together. So it's going to be another tough one on on Saturday. Yeah, well, they they were a point behind us when they changed their manager and we changed at the same time. And they're now five or six ahead of us, I think. And they just stuffed Liverpool 3-0. I know Liverpool are not what they were in the previous couple of seasons, but um, 
I wouldn't bank on us to beat Liverpool at home uh, right now. So um, yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at this one quite optimistically because I'm hoping he's going to get sacked tomorrow and someone <laughs> else is in charge. I'd, I'd put Ruben Sellers in charge for the rest of the season, to be honest, and because um, he can't do worse. If that doesn't oh, happen, and, yeah, and Jones is in <laughs> charge. Well, at the moment, I can't see us getting 25 points, let alone. Yeah. 25, 30 points, let alone the 35 or 6 or whatever that you're going to need to stay up. I watched the, I watched a bit of the, the, the Wolves-Liverpool game and, of course, Wolves have got Mario Lamina playing. Yeah, know? apparently and, he was brilliant uh, for them. Yeah, apparently he looked really, really good. And they, they made a good signing in Craig Dawson in the centre of defence because that takes out Collins, who I always thought was a bit of a liability for them. So they, um, they, they look a decent side. They've got a couple of new strikers as well. Sarabia looks dangerous. Um, so suddenly they, they've addressed their weak points and they look like a good side. So I think this is a hell of a lot tougher game than it was when we played them at Molyneux earlier on. And um, to me, they look, if, if Jones is going to carry out his uh, promise slash threat to be um, to go back to um, the, the basic football, you know, Craig Dawson and um, whoever their other centre-half is, whose name escapes me, um, they, they're just going to lap that up. Kilman. Kilman's about seven foot tall, isn't he? So mm. it'll be an interesting battle between him and the tall Paul, who I'm sure will play. And yeah, I'm not looking forward to it very much at all. It is all going to be eyes on that lineup again, Steve. If he is still in charge by the weekend, and there's nothing to suggest that he won't be, um, he's promised some changes. He's he said that the stuff this week about I'm not seeing myself in the team, and he's going to stop <laughs> listening to these outside influences. Oh, he's 50 so... years old. I hope he wasn't in the team. That's the these <laughs> <laughs> outside influences that he's not listening to. Mm, yeah, it, it, it's, what's it's, his, odd, his wife's it? family, the, the, the Saints supporting side. <laughs> of his family are they are they chir- chirping in with suggestions or what i don't I know i just it's... wonder what changes we can expect to see that he hasn't managed to get across in the last couple of months uh try and sneak an extra man onto the pitch <laughs> i mean worth a go i mean the the refereeing at this level they might not notice uh, just i don't i don't see how he possibly goes into that game at home and has anything other than basically abuse from minute 1 I, I just don't see it. The way the way that he's conducted himself in the last twenty four hours, I struggle to see how his position is tenable in any way, shape, or form. And it kind of feels like, yeah, okay. He, I mean, he might be. I mean, is he still? Are we really, actually, genuinely going to keep him in charge till Saturday? That's 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 a genuine question. Are we? Are we actually that stupid? as a football club, is that where we're going to go? We're actually going to keep this guy who's clearly proven himself a little bit unhinged and, but most importantly, clearly not up to the job um, in charge when we've got 17 games and we need to get, let's face it, at least 20 points. It kind of feels almost futile sort of suggesting how we speculate and how he might approach it. I mean, you might as well literally draw the team out of a tombola. The way he's doing been, that. well, the way, the, way anyway. he's, the way he's been doing it anyway, yeah, it's it's mental. I mean, clearly, Chaletta uh, Sar isn't going to play because he hates him, because he, presumably because he stood up to him and he said, "No, this is nonsense. What are you doing?" Jones says, "Well, you don't undermine me like that," which is which would be fine if we were getting results. If you, you can you can take that sort of hard line of man management against dissenting voices if you're able to back that up with anything. But Jones has literally nothing to um, to back it up with. There's no sense of a plan. There's no sense of any structure. Um, he's even, ba- I mean, he's, I mean that that press conference. He effectively admitted that the last three months have been a waste of everybody's time. 
He had five weeks after that Liverpool game, between the Liverpool game and the Lincoln game, 40% of that period, he told the players to go on holiday. So he's not been working with the players the whole time that he claims he's been working with the players. Um, he told them to go on holiday for two weeks when actually, I mean, come, come on, lads, we're in the bottom three. This is this is the time where you've got to be working. We're still during the season. In any other season, you would still be playing games. Why, why are we... I mean, I appreciate that there is a huge hypocrisy here, but why are we letting players get off to Dubai for three weeks in the winter? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, yes, I know I'm here now, but I'm I'm not a I'm not a um, football player on on forty grand a week um, with a job to do. It's it's mental, and like the guys the guys lost the plot, and it literally doesn't matter what it it feels as if it doesn't matter what team or system he puts out on Saturday it's it's got it's got no hope of of doing anything and that and that comes and obviously that that also you also come across the fact that Wolves Wolves have clearly improved under a proper manager with a bit of pedigree so I think the first maybe 10-15 minutes are going to be so key on Saturday Jacob because the atmosphere is going to turn pretty damn quickly Mm. if not um, all eyes are going to be on that team sheet at two o'clock and then that will probably set the tone for the afternoon whether it be him or or, or somebody else so what would you like to see what do we need to see from that on on Saturday just so we can get behind it I like Southampton to actually start fast because apart from the the Man City home game which is a cup game that they haven't done that under under Jones they've looked tactically shambolic until they've made a change and I think Jones actually to give him to give him some credit is he's actually not too bad at changing in game I know everyone could say well if he got it right in the first place he wouldn't need to yeah. <laughs> he at least he, he at least he does rectify problems he, and he does usually generate uh, and it sets an improvement so that's okay it's usually but the same it, problem though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if, but, if, he, if he's a problem yeah. solver then I mean there's a there's a letter he could be writing right about now <laughs> Yeah, but um, in terms of the team lineup, you you don't really know. You see the team and you try and work out. Like uh, me and Adam um, Blackwell were, were sat there as the team news broke, and we were thinking, and everyone's like, right, it's a four-two-three-one. And I went, yeah, but hold on, what if Elianusi's right wing back? Yeah. And Adam, Adam was like scribbling frantically, and he was not, not sure what formation. And it was just it's bizarre, really. And it's just come to show that how how different it is compared to to Osnatul when he would play the same formation and basically the same team. Um, mm-hmm. So Southampton need to start fast, and if they don't, then you know, things are going to get toxic. And Slamton fans, you know, they are patient. Compared to, compared to a lot of other Premier League teams, they are, they stick by their team. They are patient. They gave Ralph three and a half years. Because he had lots of credit in the bank. He managed to immerse himself in the community, into the fan base. They worked, and Slamton looked like they actually knew what they were doing, and they were exciting. And, you know, fans aren't stupid, so let's not play them for fools. They, they're not seeing any sense of progress at the moment on the pitch. So seeing some sort of progress on that pitch in the first 15 minutes is going to be crucial. Otherwise, things are going to turn toxic. And those same songs that were sung against Brentford will be sung again. Doesn't bear thinking about it. I imagine. And worse, yeah, and worse. Glenn, I'm going to come to you first for a score prediction because I think um, you're currently leading the way. Um, Am I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think most of us picked up a point yesterday. So um, score prediction for the Wolves game, please. He's going to be in charge, isn't he? Uh, 2-0 defeat. Okay. Steve, what would you like to chip in with for this? Oh, God. I mean, if... If by some ridiculous, I mean I don't know whether Ankerson has just gone to sleep for the week, maybe new um, manager bounce. Well, if yeah, I mean if if Jones is still in charge, we're getting we're getting beat. There's no, there's absolutely no question about it. Three nil. I mean Lamina will score, won't he? Let's be yeah. honest. Um, <laughs> just to really rub it in Glenn's face. 
Um, <laughs> a worldie. Yeah. I mean, if, like if, lemonade. Yeah. If if we if we appoint if we bin him off, and I mean, even if even if Sellers is in charge or whoever, then maybe we might get away with the draw. But I I just don't see how how this team wins a game at the moment. Okay. So there's two parts to your prediction there. You're predicting that A, he'll still be in charge and B, we're probably going to lose 3-0. Yeah, um, so, Jacob, yeah it's a positive sticking, one this week. Are you sticking with the, the positivity and, and, and predicting wins? Because it's not think, working I out think, good so far, is no, it? No, I think it's broken me now. Um, <laughs> I think we'll get, we'll get there, mate. We've, we've dragged it down to our level. <laughs> I'm going to completely change tack and hoping that I'm, I'm wrong, but I'm going to go for a 3-1 Wolves win. Oh, one? We'll score? Right, okay. We're going to score a goal. All right, okay. Set piece, obviously. There was some positivity as well this week, Steve, because the women's team won today, which was great. Uh, yep, 2-0 winning against Palace. Uh, back on back on winning ways after a slightly iffy return after the winter break. But yeah, 2-0 win over Palace, who, I mean, Palace themselves have kind of fallen off a cliff after um, after a good start. But uh, third in the table, I think four points behind behind the leaders. But as with, um, as with last season, there's only one team go up. So it's... Um, yeah, the lottery. Uh, yeah, it's well, it's it's just a bit of a shambles, really. It's, it doesn't doesn't really give enough teams enough to play for late in the season, unfortunately. But as long, I mean, if we can if we can keep keep in touch, we've got got the leaders, London City Lionesses, still to play at home. Um, we got a draw away at their place in, at Dartford before Christmas, so who knows? Um, still with a chance, but I mean, I've seen seen a couple of couple of clips from Super League games um, over the weekend, and just the pace of the game at that level is just a world away from from what they're playing in the Championship. So it's going to be, um, I mean, if they if they do pull it, pull it off and uh, and get promoted, it's going to be one hell of a hell of a baptism. I think they're gonna they're gonna need to change and change Quite quickly. Elite. Oh yes, yeah quite elite nice one thank you chaps thank you for joining us thank you for watching along live thank you for getting involved don't forget you can follow the total saints podcast on facebook and on twitter we're at total saints pod uh, the website is totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to the online shop which we call total saints icons and you can also drop us an email during the week and you can leave us a review as well if you like to uh, we're also on patreon i mentioned that at the start that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution head to patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast to find out more there's four tiers on there um, you can support us at different levels ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month each comes of course with their own perks including weekly shout outs uh, for those patrons in our francis benali and our mick shannon tier so thanks as always for your support to dave melton mark atkins matt hall who are in the francis benali tier and also colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy and nick higston as well as phil cook matt rose and nick reed who are in the mick shannon tier thank you steve thanks glenn thanks jacob uh, thank you for listening thank you for watching and we'll see you again next week Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.